The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. I want to get into what I feel like God has given me just as um, the lead pastor. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen Sexton. And we're going to be doing a four-week series on unity and I'm just telling you as we jump into this new series called unity it's my hope that the church would be free from the enemy schemes that his plans to constantly divide us that he would not win in dividing and ruining families that's what he does you know his plan is to come in and to cause division this happens in governments businesses churches homes and we see, you can't turn on the news without seeing that our culture is struggling. And, and we see division in every aspect. They, we're constantly being divided. If it's by race or political affiliation or morality or academics or um, if we're being constantly moved into groups by how much income we make. It's amazing all of the groups that we have in our country and sometimes it seems like Christianity is just another one of those groups. We also have to deal with our own inadequacies. And I think that the enemy loves to pull us apart and isolate us and make us do life on our own. You know, I tell you this, what is the message that can heal? And I was thinking about this, and obviously we all as believers know the answer, but what is the message that can heal a systemic brokenness in our country? It's the message of the cross. It's the message of the cross, embracing the idea that I need a Savior not only just once, but continually. I continually need a Savior in my life. Yes, I believe that you come. And, and the Bible teaches us that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you are saved. But guess what? I don't mess up one time. I, I, I have moments where I need to be forgiven again. And I don't feel like just because I'm forgiven, God's like, okay, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. I believe his blood covers us, and that grace is not taken from us when we fall short. But I do believe our heart can get hard. And, 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 and once it becomes every compromise, every moment of sin, every moment it gets harder and harder and harder, and we become more and more life-giving. Less and less life-giving. That's what happens to us. And so I, I need a continual Savior. I'm excited that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for me because I need some help. Come on, somebody. I, 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 didn't, I, don't, I didn't get enough to last me for my life. I don't know. It seems like all of the spiritual concepts that I've learned over the years leak. It's not like it stays up here on point and I'm like living at like 90%. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I get to 90 and then I, I kind of leaks down to 80 and then I have to get back up to 100 and then it goes to 70 and I'm like, whoa! And I constantly need to be filled and I constantly need to be restored. Now, the idea that this Savior saves continually, the life-giving love changes our hearts and allows hope to emerge Many in our society would call that revival, that, that when, when hope is encouraged and God starts moving in your life, listen, there's a, a passion 
for us to want to pursue God and for that to encompass every part of our life. You know, and, and it's my heart that as we grow at the house, that we don't compartmentalize our faith into Sunday morning. That we don't compartmentalize our, okay, so Monday through Friday I'm at work. Sunday I'm at church. I may do an occasional life group, so I insert, and I walk in and I walk out. No, you're in, and everything that you do is in. And, and that's what we're trying to, to work through as a believer. It's through Christ we come together. It's through Christ we can forgive. I can't forgive you by myself. If you hurt me, I, I, it's like, I want to hurt you back. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever had one of those moments where I'm like, someone hits you and you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's on. You know what I'm saying? It's eye for an eye. That, I mean, that's how we feel. You know what I'm saying? My kids will come up and do something, pinch me, and I'm like, oh, oh you want to know how that feels? I mean, it's like, I don't even have to practice it. It's instant. It's like, bye-bye. It's like, but, but to learn how to walk in love, it's only through Christ that I can forgive because he is the measure. See, when I talk about, but look what they've done. He's like, the cross. <laughs> but God, they hurt my feelings. I know, they spit on me. But, but God, they really lied, Judas. Okay, but you don't really understand. I thought that, see, when we look through Christ, we realize that he is the picture. And here's the thing. When he operated in love and he, he showed us what a real agape love looked like, it's changed the world. He could have called down fire from heaven. He could have called down angels like that. But it was his love that we are sitting here right now today. It's because of his love. And, 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 and you may not. You may think, well, I, don't, I didn't really meet Jesus. That was kind of like 2,000 years ago. But yet you met an ambassador that God came into someone's life and changed them. And I guarantee you there is a story along your path of someone who opened up hope and compassion and love for you. And that's why you're here still today. That someone reached out and you found this love and then you begin to connect with it. Listen, through Christ we come together. Through Christ we forgive. Through Christ we're able to love, regardless of what our history and our media shows us. And for the next four weeks, I want to walk through 1 Corinthians 13 so that we can under, better understand how to do life together. So let's talk about this. My assignment today is coming together. So how do we come together? We are nine months in, in a new church plant. How do we move together? We have all different ages, backgrounds. We have different cultures. How do we all come together? Because the reality is, I, I mean, I, I can't be in my home. I only got six in my own house and we can't always agree. I'm like, okay, let's watch this movie. I hate that movie. Hey, let's play this game. We hate that game. If you make us play that game, we will run into the street with traffic. We, we hate it. I'm like, a simple no would have done. Like, we had to get the point down. And so how in the world can we 
who are all different come together and do something for the glory of Christ that he would be exalted. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. We're going to look at the first three verses today. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but, not, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You know what? I really did. I'm kind of a creative guy, and I know that I haven't done a lot of um, visuals as of yet, and I want to, but I really thought about having like the loudest, most annoying symbol right here, and like all the time just speaking and just like wailing, you know, it's like dumb and dumber, the most annoying sound in the world, you know what I'm saying, just like hitting this continually as I'm talking, I pretty, I don't know if you would have heard the truth, but you would have been annoyed, you know what I'm saying, and you may have left with the point, <laughs> but the reality is, that's what Paul's trying to say, you know, Cling. <laughs> you know, if I speak with tongues of no, no, don't go yet. Um, if I speak with tongues of men and angels, but not have love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Go ahead. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understood all mysteries and all knowledge, and although I have all faith, as though I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. You know, as we look at this, this is the section that we're going to dive in together. But as we're working on digging down and unearthing some of the truth that's, that's nestled in this passage, it's important for us to know what's going on. For 18 months, Paul has been in Corinth. And Corinth was a very rebellious city it was re very rebellious in fact we we can see that that paul was handling a lot of issues in the church now the bible is written to the believer the bible is not written to anybody else and so we, we cannot get mad when those who are not bible believing christians because the bible's not written to them so we don't read the bible and go man y'all need to get this the Bible is written because we need to get this. And, the, and God knew that we would need constant instruction on how to live life. In fact, there, there is a verse that kind of talks a little bit about really where, um, where the church was at that time. I'm going to get there in just a second. But I kind of understand. I feel like Paul is addressing and trying to put importance on things that are really important and move past things that are not as equally important. I, I do that all the time as a dad. Uh, come on. I, I know how it, amazing uh, it is when we go for drives that are long in tight spaces. I have four kids. And can I tell you, it's amazing how tight spaces produce unholy attitudes. <laughs> Come on, if you're a parent, you know the, the long trip. All of a sudden, peace has left the vehicle. There is disunity. And I, the parent, the, the stability of unity, I'm about to get it right up in this. <laughs> and that's when all those faithful parentisms I just made that word up because I can. <laughs> Start to come out like, you going to make me pull this car up? Say, one more time, watch. You know, those, those, those things that you heard that you vow at nine years old, I am never going to say to my kids. 
But then all of a sudden, the annoyance fills the car almost to where you have to roll down the windows to relieve some pressure because <laughs> the pressure has been building and you've let it go, and as a parent, you probably let it go too long, and so now it grinds on you, and you're like, stop! And they're like, what? What? We didn't even know what. Listen. You know, it, I start moving my hand, and, and I, I, I guess cars were built by children because there's not really a good... It's like the the it's a, it's it's like the seat catches you every time and I'm almost there. And so I'm like if a parent made this there would be this huge gap and a swirl. And so you could hit wow come right back. That's just my reality. But then you know, hands start flying, starts to get real, and it happens. And I feel the responsibility to remind everybody in the car, we love each other. We love each other. The other day, it's so funny. My, my, my kids, you, you may not know them, but they really do love each other. And, and I was in, <laughs> I know I said, I said that like, <laughs> but I was in the living room, and my two girls were in the bedroom. And, and I hear that, I, I told them, go in there and clean your room. Well, each one wanted to clean their own side, but nobody wanted to clean the middle. <laughs> and I'm like, if the middle don't get clean, something's going to happen. And so I, Hallie and Tia, Hallie's my oldest, Tia's the, the, the second. And so, and so she, I hear Hallie say, Tia, pick up your stuff. And just, I, I hear another girl say, I hate you. And and, I, and I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> Devil's up in the crib. We won't. <laughs> and so I walk back. I walk in the room. And as soon as I walk in the room, my kids know. You know what I'm saying? Because we keep it down at my house. My kid. And so I walk in. I hear them. And they're like looking at me. <laughs> they start hugging each other. And I'm like, who said it? And they're both pointing at each other. And I'm like, hey, you know, we got to have some unity. You know what I'm saying? I start playing lean on me. We start vibing a little bit. Listen, you know, I, I believe Paul is making a point to the church that while your gifts are great, your love is always greater. While your gifts are great, your love is always greater. And, and the church was in a place of disunity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 9 through 11, this is, was the condition of the church. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexual immoral people. Verse 10, look at this. Not at all meeting the people of this world who are immortal or the greedy and the swindlers and the idolaters. In this case, you'd have to leave. In other words, I can't get you out. These people are all around. Look at this. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother, what? Or sister. But is, but is sexual, immoral, greedy, idolater, slanderer, drunkard, or swindler, do not even eat with them. So it was obviously so bad in that church culture that, listen, at this point, I don't even want you to be a light because the light is going out. I need you to get it right 
so that we can be the church. But right now, we're not even being, come on somebody, the church. And he begins to start to talk and dialogue about what is happening. Why did Paul write that? Because for unity to happen, everyone has to come together under something. A revelation, a belief, or an idea. And we are a culture that people love to identify you and push you into a group. Are you a red state or are you a blue state? Where, where, do you, where do you work? What do you do? What do you, are you, you might be green. You might be, you know, and we love to be pushed into this, this norm. And let me just tell you this. We fight over who's right. Is it the donkey or the elephant? And I just want to tell you the only one that's right is the lamb. And I'm not saying that I'm not involved in the political system because I am. Both Katie and I, we watch it, we learn it, we pray, and we're voting. And we're voting. But you know what? The reality is this. The only animal that I'm going to truly follow is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I am not naive enough to think that one party, one person can change something that is a spiritual condition. Equally. It's amazing as I meet Christians that are so turned off by this election and, and I want, I understand because I am too, I, I'm not saying I'm not and they are, I drive and I can't believe the things that I'm hearing but I will say this, that absolute power corrupts absolutely and Solomon understood that in fact there's a verse in Ezekiel that says it doesn't matter if you're old or young corruption can happen and so the reality is, they need our prayers, and, and, and we need to live this message, which we hold true. I'm not saying that we are passive and we don't get involved. That's, that's not what you're hearing me say. In fact, next week, I'll have voters' guides out here so that you can see the issues. It's not my job to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to tell you as we move through, and it's only been nine months, but I'm going to preach biblical concepts that are found in the Word. I feel like that's the, the, the responsibility of this pulpit. And I believe that society suffers when the pulpit doesn't operate in integrity. That's what we're going to do. That's where we're going to grow. That's what, that's what I feel like God has called me to do. For the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world, not a political system. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, we have a doorway to freedom like we've never known. And this is what keeps us unified. Keeping Christ as the head will unite us all. I guess the first thing that I want to say, I want to talk about four steps toward unity. And the first one is this. Four steps to unity. The first is we got to keep Christ as the head. We got to keep Christ as the head. If Christ is not the head, then where do we go? Who do we submit to? What do we do? Because then we base stuff on emotion. We base stuff on how we feel in the moment. Christ is the head of the church. Jesus died and Christ is the head of the church. And so Paul is, is making sure that we understand this is the revelation that we have to be under. 
While there are many banners that you can come under, a banner of selfishness, politics, pride, regret, sexual freedom, keeping Christ as the head, that's what we're under. And we're never under, we're never outside authority. And I know that it doesn't sound, because we, as people, we want to be free. Come on, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I don't want anybody, want anybody telling me I'm wrong. I don't want anybody. But the banner over me is Christ. And he has a way that will make us free. And if we try to go outside that banner and try to create our own life and agenda, it will only end up eventually hurting you. There's only one way that will truly liberate you, and that's keeping Christ as the head. The second is that we've got to allow the Spirit to lead you, to lead us, to allow the Spirit of God to lead us, His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. It was funny, during the uh, U.S. Civil War, Abraham Lincoln met with a group of ministers for a prayer breakfast. And at one point, the minister said, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. And Lincoln's response was far greater. He said, no, gentlemen, let us pray that we're on God's. Lincoln reminded the ministers that religion is not a tool by which, by which we get God to do what we want, but it's an invitation to open ourselves up to doing what God wants. Come on, if we're going to be under his authority and under his mantle, then we decrease and he increases. And that's how we move forward for my kids to thrive in my home. They must allow me to lead and they have to follow. And if they don't want to do it my way, that's cool. Go get a job. Go buy, you know what I'm saying? Rent is, you can get rent about $6.50. Go on. I don't know how many lawns you're going to have to mow, but you're free to go. But if I'm going to be the leader and, I, and I'm going to lead it, then I don't want to control you, but you do need to understand the principles of this home. Here's where we're going and here's where we're not going and here's what we're doing and here's what we're not doing. And, and if, you'll, if you want to abide by those principles... You'll have joy in this house. You'll have joy in this house. Come on. Listen, as we look to him as the direction, he helps us lay down offenses. We've got way too many people. The reason we're not unified is because everybody in the church hates somebody else in the church. I remember what you said to me three years ago. They don't even remember. They don't even know. You know what I'm saying? You asked for a Tic Tac. They, didn't, they gave one to your friend and they ran out. And you're like, I see. I see. I see. Another church got favorites. I ran out. I'll go to the store. I'll buy you your own package for 95 cents. But it's amazing how much offense we walk in. And the reality is this. Jesus was, was messed over by everybody he knew. I mean, one day they're laying down palm branches and he's on a donkey and they're like, hey. And the next day they're like, we don't know. You kill him. I mean, I mean that, that's rejection. But the reality is, we allow the Spirit of God to move us not pleasing people or who thinks I'm cool or who notices me or, or am I apart. 
Do they, do they like me? We like you. We like you because you're breathing. <laughs> we believe that God creates everybody with a purpose and a plan and that you're not a mistake even if you are the product of a decision that was made in haste. You are not an accident. And God always takes something that can be broken and he makes it beautiful. That's in his nature. He'll help you lay down trust issues. The Spirit of God will move you into being a giver. The Spirit of God will ask you to humble yourself in his sight. He'll ask you not to be contentious. <laughs> Come on. He... If we're led by the Spirit of God, then we're not led by our emotions or how it feels. And, and it's amazing how many believers put their feelings in the category of what's true. Listen, just because you feel that way does not mean it's true. You feel that way. Come on, there have been times when I've been so, I mean, probably not. But, but there's been some times when I've been so mad at my wife that I have thought thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Uh. And I'm sure she's never thought thoughts like that about me. Y'all know her, don't you? <laughs> the reality is, just because I feel that way in a moment, I got offended. I got mad. You didn't hear me. We didn't communicate. Ah, I'm saying, do you understand the words that come out of my mind? Ah, I'm trying to say this, and you don't. And now I'm so emotional over how I feel I'm going to say something and in five minutes I ain't going to feel that way you, know saying? you give me a cookie and a snack we're good I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to be there no more I'm just, you, you know what I'm saying give me some cranberry juice Come on, rub my back for I went from hating you I love you girl. I'm melting And the reason that you're laughing is because you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those words, that stuff in our heart is so easy to come out toward our parents. I'm never going to be like it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for paying for my gas. <laughs> it's amazing how we feel, but we take these feelings that destroy relationship. You know, there's some things that you say that you can't take back. Even if you apologize, come on, husbands, there are some things that you can say to your wives that even though you both cry and get over it, she will still think about. We've got to be very careful if we're going to be unified. Come on, I want our marriages to be unified. I want our parenting. There are some things that parents, you just can't say to your kids. And they're not getting it. And I understand that they are not getting it. You have said it. You have spelled it out. You have used Legos. <laughs> you have done. What, but they're not getting it. And so out of frustration, we speak something over them that, they, that, that a Coke and a smile won't alleviate. See, the banner over us is Christ, and we want to be people who are spirit-led, and people who are spirit-led and led by His Spirit will always move into life-giving relationships. Christ will always leave it better than He left it. Listen, 
We cast our cares on him. The third thing is that we're talking about four steps in unity is walking in love is the greatest action. Walking in love is the greatest action. You know, it, 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 we need to understand the placement of 1 Corinthians 13 because it's right between 12 and 14. And you're like, duh. <laughs> That's cool. That's a cool account. But, but, but 12 was talking about the gifts and how important the gifts are and that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to the church and there are many different gifts. He goes on to talk about how those gifts make us diverse. There's a big difference between unity and uniformity. And I don't want us all to look alike. I, I, I want unity where we can touch something and God can do and we're uniting under God's banner, under Christ, in the Word. But I don't, we're not all going to look alike and we're not going to all do things alike. And we're not going to all... There's a difference between being unified and uniformity. God didn't create us all the same. Look at your thumb. You know, we're all different. And listen, it's my heart that we understand and practice fundamentals of our faith, but we're different. And for chapter 14, Paul tells us how to use the gifts. He talks about what's appropriate and what's not. Paul teaches us what's proper, the proper power, atmosphere, environment. But ultimately, he begins to talk about the motive. The motive. It's clear Paul is teaching us that love is the most important gift. Come on, as a parent, um, it's amazing. I, I buy the cheap presents, but I usually have one pretty good present. And I don't always start out with the good one because I'm building my way up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Dad, oh, Dad, oh, Dad, you're the best. I don't start with the big one. You know what I'm saying? I don't start with the P.S. I don't start with the, the big, and then I'm like, big. Uh, uh, uh. You know, I feel like God is, is moving through Paul that while there are a lot of gifts, and they're incredible, and they're awesome. Come on, what did the Bible say? I mean, if I, if I talked in a heavenly language where only angels could understand, and me and angels were, man, we were talking. Me and Magic Mike, we're over there talking. Michael Archangel. <laughs> Some of y'all like, Jordan? Some of y'all actually thought, I believe I can fly. <laughs> that, that actually went through your head. Um, but the, the next thing is he, he starts to talk about, he starts to talk about, can we go through the ver back to the verse? I want, I want to just show him this and then... Maybe you can click on it. No, not, not that one. The next one. But have not love? Keep going. Though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all, not, it doesn't say some, all. If I understand every mystery, and I have all knowledge, and I pretty much know everything. I know what you've done. No, <laughs> I mean, like I know, I know everything. I, I know it. I know all of it. You know what I'm saying? Look at it. If I have all faith that I can move mountains, hmm, I'm driving. What's the fastest way to Colorado? Well, if you move a couple mountains. Listen, I, I love, I'm nothing. You know what I'm saying? 
the reality is this, that while this is incredibly impressive in, in church culture, it's not the most impressive in God's. These were gifts that were to be ministered to by love. Not for self-gratification. Not so that you could have a speaking tour. Not so that everybody could, you could sit on the stage because you're the prophet of God. Sit on the stage and have a robe. I believe all of this stuff still happens. I'm not downing it. I'm just saying that it's very important for us as believers to understand that spiritual communication, prophecy and understanding, miraculous faith, generous giving, sacrifice. Come on, if you die for me, I'm going to remember your name. But God says that if you do that and it's not in love, it was nothing. It was nothing. Listen, Paul is writing, and I believe that he's telling us that love is the goal, love is the plan, and love is the mission, and at the end of everything will just be love. Just be love. Love is greater than any spiritual gift. The fourth thing is this is allow his love to move more freely through you. Through you. Allow his love to move more freely through you. Our culture loves love. We sing about it, talk about it, watch movies, hoping to see it played out. Yet in the Bible, the word love isn't just one word. It's translated into the Greek. Three different types of love are mentioned in the Bible. Eros, which is uh, love felt in the body. Tingles, desires, longing. You know what I'm saying? Th that is an actual love. And, 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 you know, I mean, we're all adults and we understand that God created us to create. He said, there's a man and a woman I want you to create. I want you to be after me because I create life. I want you to create life. And everything God does creates. So this isn't bad. Just outside of, of marriage, outside of what's holy, it'll hurt you. Now look at this. Check this out. Look at this. Look at this. The next type of love is um, uh, a, a lot of us understand love as um, philos. Or, or, uh, you, you interpret it a bunch of different ways. But um, the reality is that's love of the soul. Love of the soul. Friendship. Brotherly love. You know, um, Philoe, or, or, or you, 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 that's brotherly love. And here's the problem, is generally churches love each other with a brotherly love, and that's why everybody gets hurt. Because I thought you were my brother, I thought you were going to be there, and then all of a sudden, you did this, or you did that, or you did that. I thought my pastor, I thought my leader, and what happens is we, we phileo, we, we, we phileo, we love people brotherly, like a brother, and then when something goes wrong, we get mad, we get offended, and we, and, and we don't want to go back. And here's what I want you to say. While that love is available, it's still lesser. For us, an agape love, 
An agape love that's measured out of the spirit. The agape love is sacrificial love. It doesn't come from performance. It comes as you lay down yourself and your pride and your self-interest and your positions. Agape love is fueled by when you spend time with God. I think that what the most alarming thing about our scripture today is this. Is that in 1 Corinthians 13 Verse 1 through 3, Paul is saying that you can do ministry without love. That you can do ministry without. That's the most important part of this section in the first three verses is that you can actually do ministry without love. And if it's without love, it is not credited to you as righteousness. For all of those here on our dream team, for all of those who minister and, 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 and lead a small group or lead a life group or greet at the door or run the media department or over here. I love the fact that our band comes and they're early and they're faithful. And, and, and I believe that many of you were trying to work out how to get people involved into our dream team and to do more. But can I tell you this? That if we make you great servers, but you don't become great lovers... It will be institutional, not revelational. Our ministry comes out of the love that we have for the Father. Because I can give to Abel, I can give to one of the men here, and, and it can be self-serving. I'm giving to you because I want you to know that we gave. Have you ever met one of those guys? Don't call them out. But, but it's like, have you ever met one of those people where they give to you? No, and you know they're going to call on that favor later because it wasn't a gift. It was, it was more like a, a commitment, a transaction. Uh, I'm going to do for you, but there's going to be a time that you need me. Listen, unity is about all of us becoming who God's called us to be so that we can love people when they walk in. Our goal in this church is that you can come belong, that'll move you to believe, and then you will become all that God has called you to be. We're, everybody doesn't have to be perfect when they walk in here. How many times did Jesus stop the disciples and say, guys, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. If he waited to go through all the theology class before they could roll with him, he would have never gotten anywhere. The reality is this, that we have to allow his love to start moving freely through us. Come on, all of those who are involved in ministry, all of those that are doing stuff, Come on, how is your love? How is your love? I mean, come on, we got to get in our word. We got to pray. We got to spend time with God. And out of the overflow of that moment, we begin to love the unlovely. We begin to love people who are hard to love. Anybody, anybody know someone hard to love? Do not point at your husband. First Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be, 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 be faithful. Be loving. Listen, at the house, our hope is that people are loved and taught. And this is a place where people can connect and their heart can be ministered to. 
Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.